I heard it once said that there are more people with lack of opportunities than there are with lack of ability. When applied to the DEI space, this is a poignant statement that requires us to reflect upon the reason why it seems to be the case in so many situations. While not necessarily universal, historically in our society, there has been a perceived lack of ability assigned to those of certain racial and ethnic backgrounds, which often produces stark disparities in access to opportunity for many born into the underclass. In medicine, for example, this is manifested as a lower presentation of minoritized groups amongst the ranks of physicians and other providers. While race has become associated with lower achievement and socioeconomic status, it wasn't always this way. Born out of the social and political systems justifying the economic drivers of the colonial era, the racial classifications we are familiar with today are a false societal construct based on arbitrary differences in physical appearance and characteristics, as well as one's actual or perceived ethnic background. Science has proven, however, that there is no such thing as genetic race, as humans are essentially genetically identical, with small differences due to random genetic mutations and the distribution of genes based on geographical location and ethnic preferences. In fact, we know that there is often more genetic variation within people of the same quote-unquote race than there is between individuals of different racial backgrounds. The ideas that intelligence, ability, or any other cognitive trait are genetically determined based on one's racial background have been soundly debunked by science. However, the vestiges of this false societal construct persist and form one of the foundations for the systems that produce the lack of diversity we see in professional ranks, including that seen in medicine and ophthalmology. My name is Orefe Adeshina, and this is Sight for Sore Eyes, where we discuss issues of diversity in ophthalmology from a minority perspective. These conversations may not always be comfortable, but they are necessary in order to provide context and perspective and form a foundation on which we can build a better paradigm. Perception is reality, but perspective is the key. In the very first episode of Sight for Sore Eyes, we introduced the fact that ophthalmology is one of the least diverse specialties in medicine with respect to the number of both training and practicing ophthalmologists. In August of 2022, however, a paper titled Trends in Racial Diversity Among United States Ophthalmology Residents was published in the Journal of Ophthalmology. This study showed that ophthalmology residency programs in fact rank last in underrepresented minority group recruitment when compared to other specialties. And then we compared different specialties and we found that ophthalmology had the lowest representation of URM residents among all residency programs, which was even lower than other surgical and non-surgical specialties. That is the senior author of the study, Dr. Parissa Amami, who I spoke to about her study's findings and its applications for the field of ophthalmology. Hello, Dr. Amami. Thank you for joining me and welcome to Sight for Sore Eyes. Thank you for having me. I'd like to start by asking you to tell us a bit about your background and where you currently practice. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, my name is Perry Saimami. I am a retinal surgeon and uveitis specialist. 
I am on faculty at the University of California, Davis, at the Shannon Eye Institute. You are the senior author on the study Trends in Racial Diversity Among United States Ophthalmology Residents. That was published earlier this year in Ophthalmology, uh, looking at racial and ethnic composition of residency programs in the United States. Can you talk about the background of this study and the motivation for it? Yeah, so there are various studies showing the effect of lack of a diverse physician workforce in patient care. Patients feel more comfortable talking to a physician who shares their cultural background or speak their language. Different life expectations can lead to different perspectives and approaches to patient care. Also, it has been shown that minority physicians are more likely to serve in medically underserved areas and perform research that directly benefits minority groups. So having a diverse physician workforce that reflects our patient population can lead to decreased healthcare disparities, can increase access to care in underserved areas, and can eventually improve patient outcomes and satisfaction. We know that physician workforce in general, and especially in the field of ophthalmology, has not been reflective of our diverse society. Minority groups make up to around 30% of the U.S. population per the United States Census, and these numbers will only increase in the coming years. But underrepresented groups comprise only 7% of practicing ophthalmologists. To improve the current situation and prepare for the more diverse population of the future, we need to work on the pipeline, which means residency programs, because the resident body of today will make the future of the field and future of ophthalmology. So we need to make sure that this resident body reflects our society and reflects the um, different groups, different ethnic and cultural groups of the society. Definitely, I agree. And what personally motivated you to pursue this work and this, this, this paper or this study? So that's a very good question. So I completed medical school in Iran. Then I moved to the United States, spent some time in Boston, did some research before starting residency. However, during medical school, I loved doing surgery and I knew that I wanted to be some type of a surgeon. Originally, I thought that I would do my residency in neurosurgery. During medical school, I had a female pediatric neurosurgery attending who I admired a lot and looked up to. Um, She was practically my role model in medicine, and I wanted to be just like her. But then when I did my ophthalmology rotation, I fell in love with ophthalmology, and then I um, read more about it. I did some research. And then what I loved about doing ophthalmology is that I'm able to combine my medical knowledge with surgery in my day-to-day practice of uveitis and surgical retina. So mentorship is very important when medical students do their rotations. They want to look at someone or they want to have a role model that looks just like them. And in my specific situation, I had a female mentor who was a neurosurgeon, which is a very demanding specialty. So we know that ophthalmology workforce, ophthalmology faculty body is not a very diverse group of individuals. So a lot of these medical students um, who rotate in ophthalmology are not able to see or get mentorship from people who look like them. So this was the motivation for us to look and see how we are doing in terms of the residency diversity among residency programs. Yeah, I definitely agree. Representation matters a lot. And your story about wanting to be a neurosurgeon it parallels mine. I wanted to be a neurosurgeon until I discovered ophthalmology and neuro specifically. So uh, we have a similar background in that regard. 
who participated in the study with you? Who are your co-authors and, and how did you, you come together to, to start this work? Um, University of California, Davis has a um, summer scholarship programs for medical students. They do two months of research. They give them some scholarship. They pair them with faculty and research projects. So the first author in this project, Abhijit, um, he is actually a minority medical student himself. Okay. And he's from Eastern Virginia Medical School. So he basically found me through this Cole Scholarship Program. And he was one of the recipients of this award and this scholarship. And then when we started this project, it actually resonated with him a lot. So it was a perfect combination of him doing this research. And he's a very, very hardworking medical student. So it was a great combination of him doing this research. And then the second author was a medical student at UC Davis. She's doing her residency at Brown University right now. And she was a guru in biostatistics. She has a PhD in biostatistics at UC Davis. So it was a perfect combination of somebody who has the passion of doing some work in diversity, equity, and inclusion, and um, somebody who knows biostatistics. So it was a great combination of all of us thinking about diversity and doing this project. So tell me how you, you designed the study. Was there any prior work you looked at as a template to follow? Uh, how did you go about making this project uh, happen? Mm-hmm. So we looked at the data resource book that is published by the Accreditation Council for Graduate Medical Education, or ACGME. So this is a publicly available database that everybody can look it up and look at the data. So we analyzed the demographic data on residents in training during the nine-year study period between 2011-2012 and 2019-2020 academic year. So we included all of the residents whose data was available in this database. Over the nine-year study period, we included more than one million individuals. So we analyzed the data and we looked at 18 different specialties from which data is available in ACGME database. And then to define underrepresented minority or URM groups, we use the definition of AAMC, which defines underrepresented populations as those racial and ethnic groups that are underrepresented in medicine compared to their numbers in general population. So we compared the percentage of URM residents among different specialties and also looked at the trends over time. So can you define URM based on the AAMC criteria? Mm -hmm. So, yes, these are the newer definitions after 2003, 2004. The older definitions basically looked at um, Native American populations, Puerto Rican populations, Black or African-Americans, and Hispanic populations. So the main difference between this newer definition and older definition is that they shifted in focus from a fixed number of these four racial and ethnic groups to a continually evolving definition and percentage over time. So we use these definitions to describe who the URMs are and look at and categorize them. Okay. So what did you find in your work, in your study? So we found that in the 2019-2020 academic year, more than 11% of residents in training belong to the minority groups. And these numbers dropped significantly to only 6% in ophthalmology proportion of these minority residents in ophthalmology was lower than some of the other competitive specialties like ENT, for example, or orthopedic surgery and dermatology. However, the difference was not um, statistically significant. 
And then we looked at the nine-year worth of data, and we found that between 2011 and 2019, 10% of all the residents were underrepresented. However, only 5% of these URM residents belonged to ophthalmology, which was lower than other surgical specialties and non-surgical specialties. We also looked at the trends over time and found that these numbers have only minimally increased over time by 0.2% per year. Wow. Did any of the findings surprise you? Yes. So looking at the previous studies that has been done in the field, looking at the practicing ophthalmologists, we knew that we were going to see a lower number of URM residents compared to other specialties. But we didn't expect ophthalmology to be the least diverse residency program compared to other residency programs. So this was very surprising to all of us. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, I'd seen some of the prior data. I'd always thought that we were one of the lowest, but then to see that we were the lowest, it was surprising. It was a bit disheartening, but it means Mm -hmm. there's work to be done, right? Exactly. While the paper wasn't necessarily designed to answer why this lack of diversity exists in ophthalmology in our specialty, did you find any reasons why particularly, or what are your thoughts as to why that might be? Yeah, a lot of work needs to be done. This is a multifactorial issue. We didn't do a root cause analysis in this study, but more work needs to be done to look at exact issues or multiple issues that can play a role. However, we know that lack of exposure to ophthalmology during medical school can play a big role. Ophthalmology is a competitive specialty. So whoever that wants to do ophthalmology needs to be dedicated and work on their CV or their application from early on during medical school. And it also has an early match. So students need to build their CVs earlier. In most programs, ophthalmology rotation is a short rotation during the third or fourth year of medical school. And a lot of programs don't even have a home ophthalmology program, which adds to the issue. Also, we talked about mentorship. Mentorship is very important. If the students of color don't see mentors who look like them, this might deter them from pursuing ophthalmology. And while our study didn't specifically look at different groups or diversity among actual ophthalmologists, there are other studies that come from underrepresentation of minorities among faculty members and among leaders of the field. No, definitely. I agree. And I think, you know, we're circling back to this issue of representation. And I think another thing that's important, you know, we discussed this in the MD Connect podcast we did a few weeks ago, is while we're trying to get the numbers of URAMs up in ophthalmology, to become the mentors, we need advocates, you know, those that can take on the mentorship role for these students that don't necessarily have anybody that looks like them, but we'll still be able to willing to, to help them and, and guide them along the process. And your work that you're doing, I think, is completely integral to that. So uh, kudos to you again on, on this work. Thank you. You're welcome. What has the feedback been about the results of your study? that you've received so far? Yeah, so this is interesting. I heard from multiple people that they were also surprised to see their results and to see how ophthalmology programs lack diversity even compared to surgical specialties and other very competitive specialties. And knowing that there is an issue is the first step. By doing this study, we try to shed some light on the state of the pipeline, if you will. 
and basically predict what's going to happen in the next four or five years. Because these residents who are doing their first or second year of ophthalmology residency are going to be the specialists or physicians in practice in the next few years. So if we know that there's not that much diversity among the residency programs today, we know that we won't have a diverse workforce in the future. There, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Yeah, definitely. So that segues really nicely to my next question. What future work, if any, do you have planned in this field or in this mm -hmm. area of investigation? Yeah, that's a great question. So we know that over the past few years, American Academy of Ophthalmology and a few other subspecialty societies started some initiatives to increase diversity in the field. Programs like MOM or Minority Ophthalmology Mentorship Programs that are geared mainly towards first or second year medical students and undergrad students can make a difference in the long run. So it's interesting to see the effect of these programs in the composition and diversity of res residents in the next few years. Also in the, the recent change in reporting of USMLE step one score can change the criteria that residency programs rank the applicants or choose their residents. So it would be interesting to see if this would change anything in terms of URM recruitment. Hmm. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, definitely. So wrapping up this part of our discussion, and if you wanted there to be one big takeaway from the study, from the work that you've done, if you want to encapsulate it in you know, a brief statement, what would you say? Yeah, so lack of minority representation in ophthalmology and in the field of medicine, it's a big issue that you're facing. Our patients deserve to be taken care of by a diverse group of physicians. We need to have open and honest conversation about inclusion and diversity in ophthalmology, not only among the residents, but also faculty, practicing ophthalmologists, and leaders of the field. Our medical students, they deserve to see people who look like them, who speak their language, and who are willing to go the extra mile to serve underrepresented patients. Wonderful. Uh, any last thoughts? Any, any final thoughts before we, we conclude our conversation? We need to have the conversation. Knowing that there is an issue is half of the half of the answer. Yeah, you have to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Dr. Mami, thank you very much. It was a pleasure to have you for this discussion. And hopefully we look forward to more of your work moving forward. Thank you very much for having me. The work that Dr. Mami and others have done to highlight the disparities in access to ophthalmology for URIM students is crucial to beginning the work of changing this paradigm. I think it's important, however, to address some of the responses to this work that have not necessarily been so favorable or positive. I first read this article on the social media site Doximity, which is sort of like Facebook meets LinkedIn for doctors. Below the article, several comments were posted, mainly disparaging the concept of diversity and the need to address it in ophthalmology. One particular comment stated, and I quote, Nothing so epitomizes the politically correct gullibility of our times as the magic word diversity. The wonders of diversity are proclaimed from the media, extolled in the academy, and confirmed in the August chambers of the Supreme Court of the United States. But have you ever seen one speck of hard evidence to support the lofty claims? The same commentator also said, what are the alleged quote unquote compelling benefits of diversity? They are as invisible as a proverbial emperor's new clothes. Yet everyone has to pretend to believe in those benefits 
as they pretend to admire the naked emperor's wardrobe. These comments obviously seem to be politically charged and lack factual backing, but on their face do ask some important questions. Namely, what does diversity medicine look like and what are its benefits? In an idealized world, the establishment of a workplace with diverse thought and background would not necessarily require the recruitment of the proverbial rainbow of individuals. However, in our society, race and ethnicity have become markers for class, cultural, and socioeconomic status, which naturally bring this diversity. Men think differently from women. Inclusion of different cultural and societal backgrounds brings a wealth of experience and thought to the collective community. We need individuals of all backgrounds to be represented in our workplaces because there's robust and sound evidence that diversity of thought and background are beneficial for organizations and society as a whole. Because of this, diversity should look just the way it sounds. Diverse, with all colors of the racial, ethnic, gender, and credence rainbows represented. Benefits of diversity are myriad, but just to name a few, we know that patient health outcomes benefit from racial, ethnic, and language concordance with the providers. And this has a ripple effect to all communities because we are all connected. It has also been shown that diversity, equity, and inclusion improve organizational well-being, increase creativity and productivity, increase cultural sensitivity, and attract and retain talent and foster innovation. In closing, it's important that we understand that although most individuals may not harbor explicit racist or supremacist sentiments, thought, or creed, racism isn't just about what is thought or said or felt, but more so what is done and the consequences or results of those actions. The outcomes of the actions of our society's social, economic, and political policies has been to disenfranchise a significant portion of the population based on their ethnic and racial backgrounds, producing disparities in access to healthcare for patients and to healthcare careers for those who aspire to them. The data presented in today's episode is evidence that we have work to do in the field of ophthalmology to increase diversity in our ranks. And in future episodes of Sight for Sore Eyes, we'll present the work being done to do just that. That's our episode for today. I'd like to thank Dr. Parissa Amami for joining me to discuss her work and look forward to more discussions like this addressing DEI and ophthalmology in future episodes. For more on the origins of race, check out the TED episode, The Lie That Started Racism by journalist John B. Wynn. For more on the benefits of diversity, I recommend the book, Diversity Bonus by Scott E. Page. If you like the content of this podcast, please subscribe and share with others. We always appreciate feedback from our listeners. And if you have a DEI story in ophthalmology you'd like to share, please create a five to 10 minute recording on your smart device and send it to siteforsoreyes at gmail.com. That's S-I-T-E, the number four, sore, dot E-Y-E-Z at gmail.com. We may share it during a short segment called DEI Diaries, either at the end of a podcast episode or as a short standalone segment. As always, thanks for listening. Take care and see you next time.